Hello, Aaron. Hello. Welcome to the Three Tops. It's been a minute, but we're back. So, so let's talk um, since our last uh, discussion of the Three Talks. Mm -hmm. What has happened? It's been about a month and a half month or so. Half, yeah. So, what uh, would you say as a few highlights that you have? Highlights really are we are cranking through our programming. Uh, so, we did our two eight hour sessions on um, our business boot camp for women entrepreneurs. We wrapped up our UJS course, and we're now going into the last two weeks of our Swift UI training course and our ReactJS training course. So this is, these are, are the programs of Future Written and Code? Yes, this is for the Future Written Code. So let's talk about uh, Future Written and Code today, which is the importance of uh, bridging the gap of technologies, both in the workforce and at the same time in the startup ecosystem. Okay. Why do you believe future written code is important? And uh, then we can build a little bit more about the, the program design that you have, which is mm. quite unique. So future written code, the reason why I think it's important is to help identify potential high-performing technologists or individuals who don't know that they can be high-performing technologists and expose them to opportunities in a tech ecosystem. Also to um, provide an environment for people to learn, ask questions with a project-based focus. Where courses are structured, we provide, try to provide foundational information. Um, we go through some tutorials that we've created, but then the last half of the class is focused really on you coming to us with the ideas and what, you, and what your projects are, what you're trying to build, and then us providing you with the support that you need to address the problems um, that you're running into and trying to build your solution. Um, I think it's important because there's folks who are trying to get into the tech ecosystem and can't afford to pay for a boot camp. Um, and then there's folks who are already in tech who are trying to get training or upskill so that they can get a better job or, or just be in a different path. So future written and code in terms of your design, we talked about it in the past, is um, very unique because your, your program is more a hands-on approach. Um, talk a little bit more about that because mm -hmm. one of the fascination that I have with your program is the fact that you can take anybody, a person like me who's never coded, and actually make me onto a program. We can we can <clears throat> we can try to, to with the willingness with, with the willingness and the commitment. I, and just to touch on that briefly, I think a lot of it is the willingness and commitment because um, coding is hard, writing software is hard. Um, it's like learning to do anything else. You run into challenges, you run into roadblocks, and um, how you address those and how you move beyond them I think is important. And so that's why, you know, just circling back one more time, why I think it's important in our class to, yes, go through the tutorials that we provide, but then quickly start to build your own solutions or your own small projects so that you can run into the problems on your own, but then you have a safety net of, the, of our Future Written Code program kind of help you through those problems. I think when individuals try to learn independent of a study group or a class or a mentor, that when you run into those challenges and you've Googled and you searched and you can't find the answer and you have no one to ask, it's easy to just give up and move on. So we try to, we uh, like to address that. I mean, I think our, our focus is to teach you enough of the technology to try to start to build something if that is what you want to do. Um, focus less on the the theory around software development and focus more on the impl uh, implementation. Uh, so it's a, it's a project-based focus. I mean, I think other people do similar things. I think our price point 
um, now because we have some funding to run our programming for free, I think is drastically different. But I think also as we move towards paid programming, um, we're going to take a different approach than other places who teach you a lot. They'll teach you a little about a lot of things. So they're going for breadth, and I think we're going to focus more on depth. So currently we're focusing specifically on JavaScript-based technologies of React, uh, Angular, and Vue. We've had a fair bit of interest. I keep hearing it about, hey, are you going to teach Python? Are you going to teach Python? Are teach Python? So we'll probably figure out a way to uh, teach some Python on the next go-round. So <clears throat> two, two questions in one. Uh, elaborate a little bit more for someone who has never heard about React or Vue.js and so on. And at the same time, one of the, during your recruiting uh, period of these participants, because you, it's a funded mm -hmm. uh, program, uh, one of the requirements you asked was JavaScript. Mm -hmm. What has been your experience about that? So, so what, what I've found is that um, everyone's definition of saying I know Java, not everyone, there are varying definitions of saying I'm comfortable with JavaScript. And uh, I, I made some assumptions which were, which were incorrect, but that's why we do these things we learn. Um, I, I assume that if you know JavaScript, you know JavaScript. But there's, there's knowing JavaScript well enough to get to an online tutorial and getting a grade. Um, and then there's knowing JavaScript well enough to build an application using a JavaScript framework. Um, there's knowing JavaScript well enough to build a node solution on a server. So there's various aspects of saying, I know JavaScript. Um, and so next time around, we need to be a little bit more specific about that. I think also next time around, we're going to structure our classes to account for even the people who that they say they know JavaScript, to focus specifically on the concepts in JavaScript that are important for you to be successful in our classes. Um, so then we could catch everybody, we can catch a few more people and, and give them a successful outcome. Because in the end, that's what we're sure. We want people to walk out of here with a successful outcome. And so that's, so we'll attempt to kind of adjust and tweak our programming until we get there. So what would anyone want to do React or VJS? Um, React is, React has a ginormous community out there. There's tons of support. It's backed by Facebook. Um, we have people in our class who are, that's one of the things we do are ask people, like, why are you in this class? Like, why do you want to learn React? And they say, because I hear a lot about it. Um, if I look for a job, I want to, you know, have a skill that, that's in need. And the perception is that React is a technology or a skill that people are looking for. So that's why we teach React. We teach Vue. Vue's a new player on the game. Um, it hasn't really made a lot of enterprise um, penetration. But um, it's, it's a growing community, and a lot of people are interested in learning it. Um, it's easier to pick up, in my opinion, it's easier to pick up than React and Angular. Um, and so it's another way, because remember our goal is trying to get more people who are interested in tech and wanting to learn tech, to give them tools and frameworks to help them build stuff. Mm -hmm. And so if you use something easy enough for someone to pick up, easier than React or easier than Angular, and they can get a successful outcome, then we want to present it to them. And why Angular? Angular is used in a lot of enterprises. Um, so we're in DC, there's a lot of large enterprises, consulting firms that support the government, um, and a lot of them still use Angular. Also, we use Angular uh, internally at uh, Clearly Innovative. So if, can you talk a little bit about the testimonials in terms of you yourself have, through your private sector, another company that mm -hmm. you have, Clearly Innovative, you have recruited uh, individuals that didn't have any experience, coding experience, and then you have seen them Somewhat graduated, clearly innovative. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, so we, we um, in clearly innovative, we've run 
I didn't realize it, but we've basically been running an apprenticeship program. We hire people from non-traditional backgrounds. We run them through our internal training program, which is a hands-on approach to, right now specifically, um, Angular and Ionic Framework, because that's what we use in-house. Um, and we've been able to have success over this October will be 10 years that we've been in business at Clearly Innovative. Uh, we've been able to have success over the last 10 years with identifying these resources, putting them through our internal training, and getting them productive and billable within 60 days. Um, so we believe that's a combination of our project-based approach. And um, also, we've since most of the people in the company have come up that way, um, they know that we're a learning organization. They know that the organization's success is based on the ability to bring other people in and get them up to speed quickly. And so, and they know it's also expected of them that, look, we're going to bring in a junior engineer. I'm going to put responsibility on this person. And, but it's also part of your job is to support them and help them be successful. So in terms of the um, tech ecosystem, because I, I know you have spoken on a couple mm -hmm. of panels recently, and you talked about the DC tech ecosystem. Can you talk about that? Can you share with your audience? From a, there's a lot of perspective of DC tech, tech ecosystem. From a, from a programming perspective, um, speaking of software development, I think some of the challenges that, that you're finding in this ecosystem is that um, there's high demand um, for technical resources. So it's had an interesting impact on salaries. Um, I mean, I've had people in our training courses, this is not me stating this, is I've had people in my training courses who who are surprised by um, either their peers at work and what they're getting paid based on their skill level, um, and also what um, what the market is willing to pay for people with minimal skills. And I think that you know, folks in DC are lucky to be here <laughs> um, because of this demand. But but the flip side of it also is that DC is a relatively expensive place to live. Right. So even though you might get a higher salary here in DC than you might get in other cities. A large percentage of that salary is still probably going to offset the cost of living here. So the uh, tech from a programming aspect of it, and perhaps that's uh, in another talk we can talk about the tech ecosystem, mm -hmm. entrepreneurial ecosystem at another time, is, so you, you, you touched, uh, you said the minimum requirements. So do you believe that Vue.js and, and React and Angular are the basic knowledge that you're supposed to have, or is it JavaScript that you're supposed to have? No, if I mean, someone wanted to get into this field, any field in the, in the tech programming software development uh, field, what do you see is the minimum requirement? I think it depends upon which aspect you want to go into. I think, um, like there's this big push for data scientists right now. And so Python seems to be the language that a lot of people that are going to data science, uh, that, that they're teaching them. Um, I've honestly never written line of code in my life in Python. Um, I've somehow figured out a way to be successful. So I, I think there's certain paths that you can go down in certain languages. I'll speak on what I know. I know JavaScript, I think, because um, JavaScript is pervasive, you can use it on the front end, you can use it on the back end, you can use it on mobile apps. You, there's just so many different ways that you can use it um, that that's kind of what we lead with. So are you going to be teaching Python in the near future? Yes. I mean, the, the, so there's two things that have kind of come out of this first, this first phase of uh, the future is written in code. A, we need to teach a intro to JavaScript class. Um, that's an intro to JavaScript but an intro that shows you how to actually build something with JavaScript in the intro process. And the other thing is that um, we're probably going to teach a Python class because there's been just such a demand for it and people keep asking for it. Like, why don't you teach Python? Why don't you teach Python? So we'll probably teach a Python class. So deviating a little bit uh, from the programming aspect but still linking it back, 
Oh, 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 linking uh, the, 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 the linking it back, the cigarette back. Um, one of the remarks you've made was that after the classes, uh, after you have you congregate and mm. talk about the tech. Um, so one of the, the discussions we've had is to actually have future written and code panels and discussion. Mm. Why do you believe it's important to have those? I think that what it's interesting, like we hadn't planned on having these, like they really kind of turn into networking sessions at the end of the, the lecture. But I think what happens is that um, after you start to build a rapport, for lack of a better word, with the, um, with the students in your class, and for those people who know me, I very often just kind of say what I feel, despite the potential outcome or the fallout. Um, they just feel comfortable asking questions and I speak freely about what my thoughts are on the tech ecosystem, my thoughts are on training, kind of a, a bunch of things. And then in, res, in, in return for my openness, they are very open about their experiences and what they found. You know, we had a gentleman who spoke about, you know, his frustration of trying to find a job because he's looking at job requirements that list a bazillion things when the reality is no one really has that experience. Um, he's gone to boot camps and other things and he's, he's still out there trying to find a job. We have a woman in our program who who spoke about the challenges that, that um, she had after going to a boot camp for training and then still after that um, trying to get that first entry level job into a tech firm. Um, we just talk about some of the challenges they've had trying to learn on their own. Um, I, what, what I'm getting out of it is good feedback on what are the needs of the community and you know what we can do to address the community. And then um, just creating a space where people feel like they can speak freely about what they would like to see, what they think would help them and maybe help their peers also. Talking about challenges, uh, another uh, remark you have made recently mm -hmm. when we were talking is about the UI, UX, the front end, back end, and how you don't necessarily need to know the whole mm -hmm. aspect of it to talk about that. Yeah, we had... Someone had mentioned that they were looking at a job description for a full-stack engineer, and now they've added DevOps as another requirement as a full-stack engineer. And I, I think at some point, you know, reality needs to set in and realize that we're just kind of asking people to know too many things to even just come in for an interview. Um, and also you find a lot of these larger organizations, you're just not going to be doing all those things. So the expectation that I'm going to come in to interview for a job that may be just doing front-end development and I'm expected to know like the whole stack and respond to questions and all that. I just, I just think it's absurd. Um, also, I think it's absurd if I'm coming in for an entry-level or mid-level job, I'm not going to ever be, even be asked to do any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. and so, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about changing the interview process and, um, you know, what can be done better to make opportunities available to a wider group of people. But I think the folks that are already in and need to really ask themselves, why are they creating? So it's like we're saying we need more help, we need more help. But we're creating a structure for qualifying those people that just makes it challenging to get the people in that you need. Mm -hmm. So if you had a recommendation for uh, tech recruiters, what would it be? Um, my recommendation wouldn't be to tech recruiters. My recommendation would be to companies that are looking for technical resources. I think we need to move back towards something like apprenticeship programs or back towards some sort of in-house training. Um, I, actually, last night we were talking about it. It's been a while since I've used a headhunter, but I think their fee is like 20-something percent of first-year salary, mm -hmm. right? So now let's imagine I need to hire 10 people in my company, 
and I'm probably going to hire, let's imagine I'm going to hire him for around $80,000 a year. So what's 20% of 80? It's about $20,000. So it's about, it's about $20,000? $15,000. Yeah. Right. Let's say it's $15,000. Mm. So now if I need to hire 10 people, that's $150,000. If I invest that $150,000 into creating a training program or an apprenticeship program, right? So now I've trained people on exactly what I need. I've had an opportunity to work with the people, and then I can identify the people that I want to hire, but I've also trained some people in the community. Mm. And I could probably do it unless what I'd have to pay a headhunter to get somebody that I have no real working experience with, that I that has managed to bullshit their way through an interview, mm. that I won't really know their value until after they're there for three or four months anyway. Right? So there's ways you can take the money you're gonna spend anyway and repurpose it and get a better outcome. Right, so you're, you're actually skilling the, those individuals yeah. and getting them ready for your own job. Right. Yeah. So uh, we did say that we're going to minimize the time mm -hmm. the talk, the entry talk today. So it's a, what would you like to say in terms of closing statement? And also perhaps I invite you to, to talk about uh, or at least state the programs that you have, upcoming yeah. programs. So we've, we're isolating our programming specifically around um, specific brands. So we'll start with the Future of Written Code, as we spoke about today. We have our Glow and Grow program, which is focused on women entrepreneurship and empowerment. We have our Infree Labs, which hopefully we can try to get another one done before the end of the year, which is our tech enabling of the business bootcamp, meaning providing technical support for tech enabled businesses as they go through the bootcamp process so that when they're done, they have not only a plan for their business, but a plan for how to actually get started with building a technology for their business. And then the last one is our um, future, not the future, code, not is, is not just a game, which is focused on gaming and the esports industry and helping people be aware about the opportunity for entrepreneurship business jobs that exist in what's literally like a billion dollar business now. And if anyone wanted to learn more about? But you can www.in3dc. Um, if you can go to the bottom of the homepage, there's a button that says click to subscribe, which will put you on our mailing list. And so you can be informed on events, upcoming events that we have. Um, also, if you follow us on Eventbrite, we post all of our events on Eventbrite and also on our website. And if you search for Inclusive Innovation Incubator on Eventbrite, you can get access to our events. But the probably the easiest thing to do is just follow us on social media. We're IN3DC on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So hopefully we will see you there. Take care and bye.